Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers. A podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. We've got wine. Does it go in the fridge? We're here with Bill Johnston, and he is a sommelier wine expert. He does, you distribute wine, you tell funny stories about wine, (laughs) and you're just great. So thanks for coming. Oh, that's very kind of you. (laughs) Our number one job, though, is we're an importer. Importer. Yeah, that's our main deal. uh, We import wines. (laughs) You have an import-export? Exactly. (laughs) And. You know, we have grown our import business to a level that our distribution customers don't understand how how well we've done. So um, that's kind of an odd little curve that we're experiencing right now that Hmm. we're we're doing very well, actually, Trivin. We we have the number one Portuguese wine in America called Paxis that we control and we sell here in the U.S. and all over the world. So... It's been going great, and I'm having a fun time working with Triven. I'm very lucky to be on board with them, and I'm lucky to know you folks, too. Thank you for having me. Great. So my first question has to do with the don'ts when it comes to wine and wine. I'll call them wine accessories. What are the don'ts? Um, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on previous episodes, but the last time you were here, I washed out the wine glass with soap. And you said, no, I don't use soap in the wine glass. And that's something that I had never heard before. And I'm sure some of our listeners have never heard about that either. Are there any more? Well, things? when I should say the hand wash version of dish soap is particularly because the problem is that it, it really clings to the level that you can't get it all out. And so the risk is that you're going to have that soap taste on the glass. Um, But I do use detergent in a washing machine, you know, for dishwashing. Um, That's acceptable. That's fine. Um, And you could use the tiniest little bit, but it would be a minuscule amount. But normally what I do, if I'm going to just rinse out a glass without running it through the dishwasher, um, I'll just use hot water. That's what I prefer. Okay. I did not know that. I did notice that sometimes when I wash stuff out, you have to rinse it a million times, though. When you have the thick, uh, blue, ultra-thick, concentrated laundry soap that shall not be named. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, first of all, let's go back to what happened with the caller, because that's how we started the show uh, (laughs) um, last time. And it was the lady who called in. She was fantastic. And she wanted to know, you know, what if I just have a glass of wine? Mm-hmm. And then I've got this whole bottle left, you know, and I don't really want to drink the whole bottle. I just normally drink a glass. You know, maybe it'll be myself at the house. And I said, wow, that's such a great question. I get that all the time. And I mentioned that Peter Lendl, who is a high-end wine buyer, he works with Viscount in Wappingers Falls, Back in 1999, he said, "I because I asked him the same question, I've done a big project on this. We spent weeks on the project. And the clear winner back then, of course, technology has changed since 99. The clear winner was freezing wine. And that sort of surprised everybody. Yeah, uh, We got a big reaction from Ray. We got a big <laughs> reaction from the audience. And it was a lot of fun because it is kind of a 
what? <laughs> Can you yeah. back up? Could you say that again, please? It doesn't the glass explode? You know, what happens, you know? Well, obviously, you don't put the bottle in the freezer. You put it in a baggie. And so what we did was... It's like we, a bag of milk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we You take a, a freezer baggie, you take the bottle, what's left of it, and you pour it in the freezer baggie, Ziploc baggie. You eliminate as much air as you possibly can, and then you close it. And then you put it in another Ziploc baggie. So it's double bagged so you don't get any freezer burn or any exposure to uh, you know anything that's going to make it taste nasty. And then you just mark it, and you mark the bottle that uh, you took it out of. You wash the bottle out carefully with lots of hot water and no soap. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then you mark it with you know some sort of an indication. This is the bottle, and this is what it's used for. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to taste... The frozen wine. This was frozen. How long was it frozen for? September 6th of 2017. So until today. Uh, it, was, it was actually yesterday, excuse me. Uh, I brought the frozen block of wine down here to the studio <laughs> and dropped it off at Jim Lavoulis's office um, with a uh, big ice bucket and a towel. So I hopefully didn't make too much of a mess for him. Yeah, that's all right. It's just a newsroom. <laughs> And uh, this is the result. This is the thawed bottle of wine, and we're going to taste it side by side with a fresh bottle that was just opened at about 1 o'clock p.m. Now, which wine is this, just for our listeners? This is called Fuerza. Fuerza means strength in Spanish, and there's a mythical beast on the (laughs) label. Uh, It's actually an Arabian stallion with ram's horns (laughs) to represent strength. It's an interesting look. And a very bold name, Strength. And um, Fuerza. I like it. The even bolder name is the name of the winery, which is Bodegas Ego. In other words, the House of Ego. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll just put it all out there, right? Yeah, I think that they're pretty strong when it comes to self-confidence. Let's yes, that I would say so. <laughs> So let's let's give it a taste. And the wine's on the wine. pretty what good What do you too. think? Yeah, I, I mean, ta- it's so smooth. I don't taste anything that stands out more. It's just everything is all med- melded together. So, in other words, let me ask you a question. Do you mean that uh, it is overly homogenized to the point of being average? Is that what you're getting at? No, it's good. It tastes rich, but okay, good. I can't. Usually, I can pinpoint different flavors, uh-huh. and I can't. <laughs> oh, okay. Is it a bit acidic, or is that just me? Uh, no, th- this particular wine is low in acidity. Maybe it was the port I drank before. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll I'll tell you the flavors that I'm getting. I'm getting black cherry. I'm getting black raspberry. I'm getting currant. I'm getting boysenberry. I'm getting wood, oak. Um, getting uh, just the tiniest hint of earthiness, just the right amount, uh, but mostly a, a very, and I'm feeling a very full-bodied wine in my mouth. So um, it's hitting all the marks of what I would call a modern, new world style, full-bodied red. Okay. That's that's the category we're in, and and it's hitting all of the points that you that you would want to look for in that. But most importantly. Uh, the flavors have survived the freezing process, which is what we were looking for. Now, would we taste anything different in the fresh versus the frozen? Is there anything we should look for? 
Yeah, I, I'm not going to ruin it by asking you to look for something because I don't want to <laughs> steer you. Um, I want you to tell me. So here's the fresh. We had three different palettes and three completely this different, different analyses <laughs> of it the does. comparison. None of us agreed on the two wines between Ray Graff, See, I Peter taste Blackman, berries in and this myself. one. Hands down, it's you can taste the berry flavor. The other one, it was more smooth. And this one feels not as, I don't know how to describe it, not as rich. I don't know if that's the word or I don't want to say thick. That's not the word for sure because it's not any kind of thick texture. I can't articulate it. I don't think it, I would be able to tell the difference personally. I'm not surprised. Um, I taste different. <clears throat> I can taste. More. I can smell difference between them, but the taste, I think, for me, is pretty close. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. For me, the now, I tasted the other one. It's been over an hour ago. Yeah. So the wine has been open. It's been breathing for over an hour. So wine is a living, breathing thing. Mm-hmm. So I am going to have to taste it first. I haven't tasted the second wine yet. Let me go ahead and do that. That was one of my favorite scenes in Sideways when Maya's talking about wine being a living, breathing thing. Yeah. It's awesome. So I'm getting more of the red fruit that serv- that is still vibrant. Um, I'm getting a lot of the black fruit as well, but I was getting much less red fruit in the freezer demo, mm-hmm. the frozen wine, where that... The redder side of the cherry flavor profile, because I mentioned black cherry in this one, yep. the first wine, but in the second wine, I'm still getting the black cherry, but I'm getting more red cherry. So is that maybe the distinction that I'm that I couldn't articulate, where I felt like it it was berry? I could taste something that was sweeter, yeah, just mildly though. And what I would uh, encourage you to do is to bring your world down. And this is something that I have to talk to a lot of people about, which is, in other words, what we tend to think of in terms of flavors is we're thinking about, you know, XYZ grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's a big wide world of real flavors. I mean, lettuce, real lettuce and real raspberries and real chocolate ice cream are so far apart. Those three examples are so far apart as far as taste Mm -hmm. that you have to bring everything down into the world of dry red wine. And within that world of dry red wine, then you have to look for those subsections of, you know, whether it be herbaceousness, and I mentioned lettuce, raspberries, and I mentioned, you know, black Mm -hmm. cherry, red cherry, black raspberry, currant, and then ice cream which, you know, and then there's a creamy element and a body element, and that's normally um, attributable to a correct use of oak. So uh, one way to do it is also to run yourself through the exercise that I was taught in sommelier examination, which was few, which is fruit, earth, wood. Say Mm. to yourself as you're tasting the wine, what do I taste in the fruit section? What do I taste in the earth section? What do I taste in the now, wood do you, section? Is there different parts of your mouth you taste different parts with? Yes, absolutely. But the best way to do it is there are two ways to, that's an excellent question, um, to approach the mouth aspect of the wine. 
And one is what I call the sip and slurble technique. And you, you see that with a lot of wine people. And I know how to do it, um, but I don't prefer it. And I'll tell you why. The sipping and the slurbling, what you're doing, you put the wine in your mouth and then you draw air at a very high velocity underneath the wine. And it bubbles the wine on your palate. And the purpose for doing that is exploding the alcohols. So the alcohols are volatile organic compounds. So they're volatile, so they can yeah. be evaporated. So that evaporation is being exacerbated in your mouth by that sip and slurble technique. Hmm. And the reason that it is done, in my opinion, is to reveal alcohol content as a flaw. So many people who utilize that technique are focused on the fact that this wine, which is 14.5% uh, alcohol, so you're talking about 30 proof. Okay, that's mm -hmm. very high alcohol wine. They're, those are very ripe grapes, high residual sugar level before vinification, then after vinification, a very high alcohol level because that's what happens is the sugar turns to alcohol. So a modern wine. So these people have an agenda. And their agenda is, I hate modern wines. I love traditional wines. <laughs> and so, so they're looking, looking for, for that high alcohol so they can bash the wine. Yeah. Oh, oh that's oh, hot. That tastes hot. Well, it tastes hot because you just exploded the alcohol in your mouth yeah. <laughs> intentionally. So, uh, and, and it's ignoring all of the other, you know, you notice that fruit earth wood, Where's the, is it Fuwa? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's yeah. not fruit, earth, wood, alcohol. <laughs> it's fruit, earth, wood. They're ignoring all the important flavors uh, because of their agenda. So this is what I recommend, which is what I call the math wash technique. So uh, we'll practice it now together with uh, the next wine. Let's move on to the next wine. Practicing wine techniques. Yeah, we'll practice wine techniques. This will be fun. Uh, oh, this is not the right wine to do it with. Doggone it. We're going to skip the next one yeah that's fine <laughs> and go to a wine that's better to do it with sounds good um so the next wine that we're going to do is actually the third one on the list is uh legendary sauvignon blanc because the wine that comes next is the champagne sparkling wine is not going to work as well with the technique that i'm showing you so the first thing we're doing is what's called a wine rinse a wine rinse is many people rinse their glasses with water and I do not recommend that because hmm. then you're blending the wine with water in your glass. Yeah. Granted, it's a very small amount of water. You're but supposed to go from water to wine. That's no. a different story. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. So what you do is you take a small amount of wine and you turn the glass and coat the entire inside of the glass with the wine that you're going to drink. And now you've done a wine rinse with the wine that you're going to drink and now is that because there's always just a little bit in the wine, bottom of wine left from the last wine mm -hmm. so but you don't want to rinse it out with water because then there's a little, a little bit, bit of water, water. Left. yeah and sure it's a small amount of water but it's a small amount of wine that we're putting in yeah mm -hmm. so percentage wise it's still it a quite difference. a bit yes it makes a big difference so while you're pouring um i wanted to just talk a little bit about the wine opener thing we mentioned it in vox pop that the one with the arms was no good and I always thought that was the, the best thing ever because it was easy for me to open and you're showing me the, the this little handheld one that I've always had difficulty with and I've never used it for that reason um, why 
again, is this one better? Well, this one does have a mechanical lever. The ones that you're thinking of that you have difficulty with don't have this mechanical lever. You see this part right here? Oh, yeah, the ones that you get for a dollar at this at the register. <laughs> well, the ones that for a dollar, you have nothing. You just <laughs> that, that just gets stuck in and there. You just and then you pull <laughs> with brute force, <laughs> and you have to be a gorilla to get it out. <laughs> and literally, you can break off the... the you can uh, break it corkscrew and, yeah. with that style. Of, but this yeah, has, it's happened to me before once during uh, Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. We broke the corkscrew trying yeah. to get the wine open. Yeah, and I've seen Cheap videos of when people can't open up wine. I've seen, I don't know, it was like ten different ways to open a wine bottle, and one of them somebody took a knife and they like oh yeah the the sword it's, <laughs> it's a sword it's not a knife it's a sword. It's uh, a good way for things to go. Another wrong right way there. was um, the. I don't know why you'd ever have like one of those mini blowtorch things, but the person took a mini blowtorch and lit one, lit the bottle just below the neck of the bottle, and I guess enough pressure built up and the top went flying off. Is that something you would ever recommend doing? Uh, no, I've never, <laughs> I've never actually seen that, and I definitely don't recommend. And the WAMC legal department also does not <laughs> recommend <laughs> that. <laughs> you didn't get a call from the WAMC yeah. lawyer. <laughs> what did you tell our people to do? We're going to put a disclaimer on this episode. Exactly. Warning, do not try the things that Ashley suggested in this yes. podcast. We are trained professionals. <laughs> Don't yeah. try this at all. So um, the, the things that are going to make this different than the waiter corkscrew that you mentioned is, notice this is Teflon coated. That's mm -hmm. the worm. And so that's going to slide in easily. So what you, the key is to get it right in the center of the cork. So I hold it like this. Keep in mind it's a cutting tool. So you're holding so, the bottle at an angle. Yeah, and you're not like, okay, let's do this. No, you're cutting something. So if you're going to cut something, you know, you're not going to hold your knife to cut your turkey like this. All the way at the end. No, you're going to have a firm hold. you're going to a hold of it because you're cutting something. So And you get a hold of it. And you get it right, you turn it, put it at an angle so you can see that you're getting it right in the center. And then you bring it up to the top, and then you drive it straight down through the center of the cork. Because you want it, you have to get it in the center of the yep. cork. You, you can tell right away. If you're not getting in the center of the cork, then take it back out and, you know, try again and get it straight. Get it right in the middle, go right down. And what you want to do is, if it's a cheap wine, it's going to have a shorter cork. So you only put it in like so that you have two and a half turns left. Oh. Um, if you have a more expensive wine, you can put it further in. If you have a really expensive wine, you can put it all the way in so there are no turns left whatsoever. <laughs> um, because you'll notice that those corks are all different lengths. Here I brought some examples. So um, this would be a little bit more on the expensive side. Yeah, so this one. is from a $23 bottle. So it looks like it's probably a little <laughs> under two inches long. Yep, yep. And so you can see that, you know, you're going to be able to, look at that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just. Fits like the I whole never knew that. cork opener. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know the cork was the expense of the wine and the size of the cork made. I never knew there was Three a correlation bucks. between that. Is it because the Three cork. Three bucks for these. Can you Just to make that? the cork? Yeah. Oh. It's a huge, huge investment. What are Kindy. the cheaper ones? Uh, well, like half price? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, no, you can get them. Dollar corks? Oh, no, you can get them, you know, 
10 cents, 8 cents, 6 cents. But for the the really expensive ones, they're $3. This isn't $3. This one's probably about $1.60. But for a, a really good one, you know, you're yeah. talking about 3 bucks. So uh, then once you get it in there, then what you're going to do is you're going to take this first part of the lever and you hook it on the side of the wine. So just to describe, there's a little metal lever piece that comes down and the lip catches the top yep. rim of the wine. Bring bottle. it up and then you ratchet it up and you catch the next part and you ratchet it up again. So you get two strokes hmm. and it comes out nice and easy because you have the leverage. See, what you're trying to do with the cheap one is you're starting all the way down here and you're trying to get, it doesn't work. So don't buy a cheap wine well, opener. Well, these are reasonably priced. You, you, know, you can normally pick these up with, for about five bucks. With yeah. a lever. Yes. I don't know if they have a special name, but we can certainly put it in a picture. Yeah. I call it an articulated lever. That's what I call it. So, Get it at your favorite wine shop. <laughs> and now we're going to learn a technique. Yes. So this is uh, the mouthwash technique, I call it. And this is the preferred way, in my opinion, to taste wine. So what you want to do is put as much wine as you can humanly fit into your mouth. <laughs> you know, for some people it's a half an ounce. For some people it's three ounces. But as much as you can get in your mouth. So, And then it's very quiet. But what we are doing for people at home is Ugh. we're letting that wine coat every little millimeter of the entire mouth so you ask what portion of the mouth that would be all of your mouth yeah that's <laughs> <it> was. <laughs> that way you're, you're not leaving anything to chance and you get the full experience of the wine when you do it that way so and i take it that wasn't your favorite wine in the world probably i was well i was just surprised <laughs> <laughs> i won't say it wasn't my favorite it was just like I don't know. I've never swashed wine around my mouth like mouthwash before. It's different. <laughs> Gives you the full experience. It does. That's it what you want. Like, you can really taste the wine. And I'll just say, it feels like, you know, somebody punches you in the roof of your mouth, kind of. There's some, I don't know, maybe it's the, what does he say, the alcohol is volatile, right? I don't know. But um, whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, I just have to say that the two guys in here are spitting out the wine like they probably should be, and I'm the only one that's swallowing it. Maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you have a designated driver today. I so do. that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to go backwards to our second wine. And that, By the way, the one that we just had is a very inexpensive Northern European. It's from Romania, actually. But I think most people who buy Legendary don't. It's That's the yeah. name of the wine is Legendary. Don't think in terms of the region of the wine. They just think in terms of, oh, well, it's a yeah. nice-looking Sauvignon Blanc. It's a great price. I think I'll pick it up. This is a very inexpensive bottle of wine, by the way. Now, which one of these would go best with a turkey dinner if you're having Thanksgiving? Both of these. Okay. Are the legendary ideal. and the champagne? And the champagne okay. are going to be ideal. And then the Melrose Pinot Noir also. These are all good choices. And a, a third... Excellent choice would be a dry still rosé. Okay. We, we happen to bring a sparkling rosé, but a dry <laughs> still rosé also would be excellent. And another good choice would be a Chardonnay would be fine. Yeah. You know, which are rounder than the Sauvignon Blancs. So That's my mom's favorite, a Chardonnay. Oh, yeah. I love Chardonnay. Well, I like all kinds of wine. <laughs> there aren't any types of I think of you kind of wine. have to. Do you feel like 
after you spent so many years trying so many different types of wine and learning their flavor profiles and all these great things, do you just grow to love certain wines that maybe in the beginning you didn't like at all? Or You know, that's an excellent question. Yes, what happens is uh, you um, understand all of the styles and you don't really fall into good wine, bad wine. You know, when... I can always tell when somebody's relatively new in the industry because, oh, I like that wine. That's a good wine. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I don't like that wine. That's a bad wine. You know, they're playing good wine, bad wine. Mm-hmm. That's not how it is. Uh, you know, the wines that they are trying are all of high quality. They are just stylistically not something that they would choose as their personal style, but they are not looking at wine from a personal perspective. They're looking at it from a professional perspective. They need to be completely objective and just understand the style Mm -hmm. and not pass judgment on the style (laughs) because that's the mark of a professional. You understand and you, you just put it in its category and that's that's where it is and that's it yeah not to mention everyone's tastes are different if you're eating a certain type of food then that would also uh change the flavor right because it does so it's all kind of relative okay i think we have to move along pretty quick because i think liz has the studios booked for now (laughs) okay very good well then this is our first and last (laughs) (laughs) i'm having some of the pinot after the show but that's a different story okay yeah, the Melrose Pinot Noir would be an an excellent choice for the I holiday also. Noir. All right, very good. Talking about styles, that's my favorite. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, do thank you have you. a funny story to end us on? Um, well, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I would like to uh, relate the very first time that I ever met Peter Lendl. Sure. <laughs> Remember, he was the high-end guy who taught me yep. how to freeze wine, and um, he said to me, um, it's, it's very nice to meet you. Um, I think you're a little green. Uh, you know, you've got a lot to learn. And this, I had already passed my sommelier at this point. And he said, um, and there's just one thing that I want to ask of you. And I said, what's that, Peter? And he said, don't ever bring me an oak Chardonnay. <laughs> it sort of segues into our professional <laughs> category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even the, yeah, yeah. I had to <laughs> lift my chin up off of the desk there. I was like, what do you, okay. <laughs> Don't ever bring me an oak chardonnay. So did you bring him an oak chardonnay? No. <laughs> I absolutely did not. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for letting us taste all these wines. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. That was wine expert Bill Johnston. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jim Lavoulis. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge. 